Talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talking benefits. You're listening to Talking Benefits, the podcast brought to you by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. Every month, we dive into retirement, healthcare, hot topics and trends, and whatever else the benefits industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Julie Stick. I'm Ann Patterson. Let's talk benefits. Hello, everyone. We're happy to be back for a new March episode. This month, we'll be taking a deep dive into education benefits. From a benefits perspective, educational offerings can have a huge impact on worker recruitment and retention, particularly in this low unemployment environment. That is right, Anne. This month, we're going to be covering a wide swath of workplace-related benefits offerings, uh, including student loan repayment programs, student loan refinancing and counseling, uh, loan deferral, educational assistance programs, 529 plans, and much more. Uh, We're also going to be catching you up on legal and legislative updates that may have an impact on these offerings. Julie, do you want to get us started? Sure, Justin. We're going to start with student loan-related topics, beginning with employer-sponsored repayment programs. Currently, employer-provided student loan payments up to $5,250 annually per employee can be offered as a tax-free benefit. Anyone who has been around benefits for decades recognizes that $5,250 amount. Yes, it is Internal Revenue Code Section 127 that deals with tuition reimbursement. The 2020 CARES Act extended the Section 127 Qualified Tax-Free Benefit to student loan repayments, but only through the end of 2020. The Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, or CAA, then extended that qualified benefit for five additional years through the end of 2025. Right. So through December 31st, 2025, employers can choose to make tax-free annual contributions of up to $5,250 per employee toward eligible education debt. Neither the employer or the employee will have tax liability for the money applied to the student loan payments. And here's the fine print. The loan must have been incurred by the employee for the employee's education. So loans taken out by an employee's parent do not qualify, and an an employee can't take out a loan for their child, as another example. Um, In addition, payments can be made on private or federal loans. And I'll just note here that on the January episode of this podcast, we did a pretty extensive breakdown of the Secure 2.0 Act. Uh, Well, this is another area that's going to be impacted by this new legislation. The Secure 2.0 Act allows an employer to match an employee's student loan repayments by making matching contributions to the employer's defined contribution plan. Previously, employers could match only Roth and pre-tax elective deferrals or after-tax contributions to the D.C. plan. The provision allows for employers to make matching contributions to an employee's 401k plan, 403b plan, or simple IRA based on qualified student loan payments. Now, supporters of this specific provision argue that it helps with the fairness issue as employers make a match into the DC plan either way, whether it's based on student loan repayment or on their deferrals into the DC plan. 
So this way, employees with student loan debt who were trying to figure out how to also save for retirement now have an option. So there are some great resources on best practices for implementation. Uh, we'll link to one by Plan Sponsor Magazine in the show notes. Moving on to a similar topic, which has gotten a lot of benefits buzz lately, is federal student loan deferral. So in March of 2020, at the start of the pandemic, a pause was enacted on all federal student loan payments. Around 40 million borrowers who hold $1.6 trillion in federal student loans have had their student loan payments paused since that time. Now, in preparation for those payments to resume, the Biden administration announced a one-time forgiveness of up to $20,000 for eligible borrowers. And that relief, if it does happen, uh, is limited to federal student loan balances before June 30th of 2022. That means that employees who had federal loans and refinanced them to private loans do not qualify for this assistance. And just a note for future design strategies, any new loans that are dispersed on or after July 1st of 2022 are not eligible for this relief. So, Julie, where are we on that? Now, as expected, forgiveness is facing a number of legal challenges, so it's currently on hold. Lawsuits allege unlawful use of presidential authority, as well as harm to state tax revenues. The U.S. Supreme Court is hearing two cases, one brought by six states and one brought by two students. First, the court will need to decide if the plaintiffs have standing to sue, specifically if they could be financially harmed by the change. And the court will also determine whether the Biden administration had the power to enact this plan. So the Supreme Court is scheduled to hear arguments on February 28th, which is actually the day that we are recording this episode. For those of you who are interested in learning more, the case names are Biden v. Nebraska and Department of Education v. Brown. And while we can't predict when the court's decision will be announced, it may not be until the end of the term, which is typically in June. So we'll be watching leading up to that. Yeah. And meanwhile, federal loan payments will resume. The White House announced that it would end a national emergency declaration and a public health emergency declaration on May 11th. The pause on student loan repayments is now set to expire either 60 days after the Supreme Court's decision or 60 days after June 30th, whichever comes first. So the foundation conducted a pulse survey this past August uh, on this topic just to figure out how employers were responding and what actions, if any, they were taking. We'll link to those full results in the show notes, but at a high level, 9% of employers were currently offering repayment benefits, and then an additional 16% were considering doing so. Now, another topic that we want to talk about is student loan counseling, refinancing, and consolidation. For those employees with federal loan deferrals, counseling could help employees when their federal loan payments start up again. It's really possible that some workers budgeted without student loan payments for three years. Counseling could help workers adjust their budgets to allocate for these, quote, new loan payments. This is an example of a potentially effective, low-cost, employer-sponsored offering that could go a long way. According to our 2022 Employee Benefits Survey report that we released this past December, only about 6% of employers offer this benefit on an employer-sponsored basis. So there's lots of room for growth there. 
And with that, we will take a short break. Save the date for National Employee Benefits Day coming up on Thursday, April 6th. The focus this year is on building a better work-life blend and what that means for different organizations. Head out to ifebp.org slash benefits day for tools to get started, benchmarking data on work-life blendifits, and info on a free webcast that's happening on April 6th, all about leveraging the power of community for a better work-life blend. And we are back, and for the second portion of this episode, we're going to broaden our focus and take a look at educational assistance plans uh, or traditional tuition reimbursement under Internal Revenue Code Section 127. Uh, Much like the aforementioned repayment programs, employers can offer up to $5,250 per employee as a tax-free benefit to employees for educational expenses. Some companies are even paying all costs tied to higher education. So companies like Starbucks, Chipotle are paying hourly employees college tuition. And this was in a Forbes article. Since 2021 alone, Walmart, Amazon, Target, Macy's, City, and Lowe's have made free college available to more than 3 million U.S. workers. Starbucks, which operates an online college program through Arizona State University, says 22,000 workers are currently enrolled in its program. Guild Education, which administers programs for Walmart, Hilton, Disney, and others, and offers online programs at more than 140 schools, says it worked with 130,000 students over the past year. According to the 2022 Employee Benefits Survey Report, educational assistance is offered by 45% of responding employers. So this is a real tried-and-true offering. Another tried-and-true offering, though less commonly offered, are 529 plans. These programs allow workers to save for their children's, grandchildren's, or other family or friends' future higher education expenses. As currently designed, these programs are offered by about 10% of employers who responded to our survey. And you all know how much I loved talking about the Secure 2.0 Act in our last episode. So I wanted to mention that this is another area in which the Secure 2.0 Act could have some substantial implications. Justin was talking about this earlier. So it adds a rollover option if expenses end up being less than the amount saved in the account the 529 funds can be rolled over into a Roth IRA. And I'll just quickly note that the lifetime limit for that rollover is $35,000. Rothification. I just wanted to say it again. I know it's your new favorite word. (laughs) So here's an example. Maybe the child gets an unexpected scholarship or doesn't end up attending college. Rolling over the funds would not incur a tax penalty. Right. So as Julie mentioned, currently employer-sponsored 529 plans are offered by 10% of organizations who responded to our survey. But if workers are given this rollover flexibility, I could see 529s growing in popularity, whether it be at an employer-sponsored or just an individual level. And I'll just briefly note here, 529A plans, achieving a better life experience or ABLE accounts are established by state governments and were authorized by Congress in 2014. So they allow beneficiaries with qualifying disabilities to save in a tax-advantaged account, provided that the money is spent on eligible expenses. Uh, And these can include higher education as well as basic living and housing expenses. 
These ABLA account balances are not used in determining eligibility for means-tested government assistance programs. Current law states that the onset for the qualifying disability had to occur at age 26 or younger in order to qualify for an ABLE account. Uh, Secure 2.0 will increase this age to 46, effective in 2026. And finally, a topic that is tangentially related, but it's top of mind because of recent news events. The idea of CPR and first aid training. Damar Hamlin, an NFL player with the Buffalo Bills, recently had an on-field cardiac event. I don't know if you two were watching, but I was, and I was worried, as we all were, waiting for news, and the rest of the world seemed to be, too. This near tragedy was a call to action for more people to be trained in CPR in the workplace and in the community. And while most would agree that this is a good idea, uh, there are some barriers, including a lack of training budgets, human squeamishness, maybe not everyone feels comfortable doing that, and just the denial that this could happen to anyone we know. But that said, according to the American Heart Association, there are about 10,000 cardiac arrests in the workplace each year in the United States. Only 50% of people can locate an automated external defibrillator or AED while they're at work. Yeah, it really makes you think more about that more than you ever had before. Um, So recently, Damar Hamlin collaborated with the American Heart Association for hashtag three for heart challenge to promote awareness and practice of CPR. This is an extremely important initiative. Again, I'll reference data from our 2022 Employee Benefits Survey report that almost 21% of responding organizations offer CPR and first aid training. So there's some real room for growth here as well. And then switching gears, the foundation conducted an extensive survey on educational benefits in 2019. So basically everything we talked about in this episode, and we did relatively deep dives into all of these topics. Um, so make sure that you check that out on the foundation's research page. That's ifubp.org research. And then the foundation's planning to deploy a new version of that survey for 2023. So we'll have some fresh data, which will be exciting. So make sure to watch your inboxes for that invitation. And on that note, uh, that's going to do it for this month's episode. We'd like to give a shout out to Jenny Gartman of our research and reference team. She did all the heavy lifting for this month's episode. Uh, And as always, keep an eye on International Foundation resources regarding future developments on all things educational benefits. We will see you all next month. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast and subscribe to the show in your podcast app so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Talking Benefits is a production of the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, the largest educational association for those working in the benefits industry. If you're into benefits, check out all the International Foundation has to offer at ifebp.org. Our show is hosted by Justin Held, Ann Patterson, and me, Julie Stick. Produced by Stacey Van Alstein and edited by Amanda Gilsmer. Today's program is copyrighted in 2023 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, all rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel. 
Swath is not used enough. Swath is a hard word to say, but um, he said it with a plum. It's so good. That's why you put me on this. this <laughs> really. I think you put you on that. <laughs> on mute forever, Justin. You earned it. <laughs> First time in years. <laughs>